This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Rav Moshe and the Art of Psak. We'll be starting a new series today, uh, paradoxically titled Things Which Cannot Be Said At All. That's an English translation of a phrase that uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein uses around 25 times in Igris Moshe, Devar Shalitan Lehameer Klal, Things Which Are Not Given To Be Said At All. Um, now, that doesn't mean Rav Moshe refuses to talk about them. Um, what it means, it seems, is that Rav Moshe thinks that the ideas that he describes this way are not worth uh, being given even a short half-life, right? They shouldn't ever be allowed to leave the stage of Havamina and, and have the, the notion that you might think they're actually true. Um, so it interested me, like, what sort of things does Rav Moshe say this about? Why is he so opposed to them? Is this, in fact, a particularly strong expression of, uh, of rejection? So we're going to be studying that by going through the Chavot, which Rav Moshe uses the phrase in chronological order, uh, as not in order of publication, but in order of them being written as reported in Igris Moshe. And we'll try, in uh, addition to learning all the Chavot, which deal with all sorts of important topics and controversial topics, and uh, Hashkafa and Halacha, uh, medical Halacha, Kashras, all, right, all, all sorts of uh, big, uh, big topics. We'll try and see if the way which Rav Moshe used this, uh, this phrase changed over his lifetime, whether he would use it more or differently with some people than others, uh, whether it depended on the kind of context he's writing in. Uh, hopefully we'll address all those, uh, all those issues well. Uh, the first truva is Igris, that we'll be studying is Igris Moshe Evan Ezer Chelek Aleph Simen Yud Dalad, which also uh, continues in Tesvav. This truva is from Chav Dalad Kislev Tuf Resh Pei Gimel. So... We're around 1922. Rav Moshe is 27 years old, and he is still in uh, Luban, uh, Russia. Uh, so he's a young man. Um, and we'll, uh, this truth is written to his uncle, Dudiha uh, Gona Gadol, Rav Yaakov Kantrovich Lita, Gona Bezin Timkovitz. So Rav Kantrovitz, Rav Moshe's uncle, is, um, is still in Russia as well. He later, he later moves to the Bronx, and their correspondence continues uh, for quite a number of years. This is an academic tshuva as opposed to a tshuva lamasa, and therefore requires a little bit of an introduction. Actually, it requires a trigger warning, um, both for, um, I guess we'd call, you know, objective content, which is that it deals with issues of rape and other uh, sexually troubling cases. Uh, it deals with halachically troubling cases, um, particularly it centers on the case of Aishas Kohen Shenensa, which is among the most... Uh, ethically and emotionally troubling halachic cases, uh, a woman married to a Kohen who is raped on a formal level becomes uh, forbidden to sleep with her husband, and he is obligated to divorce her uh, as a zona, because a zona is defined halachically not, um, and this is important for all the women who are psulot mishum zona, it's not a, um, it not a, it's not an aspersion on her moral character, it's a fact, an objective condition of having had sexual relations with someone that she's not permitted to marry. Um, so we'll be talking about that halacha, and because it's not a lamasa tshuva, um, so we won't be looking for ways, necessarily, for ways to limit its scope. 
Uh, and Rav Yaakov Medan famously said in a sicha a number of years ago, that there's certain halachot you have to, um, even when you mention them in an academic context, you have to shray gewalt, uh, because they're just, right, you have to acknowledge that they're troubling. Um, now, we've talked about Eishas Kohen but there will be other uh, kinds of academic discourse in this tshuva uh, that are troubling. Um, and I don't want to interrupt uh, the the, um, the flow of the lumbus uh, constantly. So I'm going to do now is just uh, stop and say, give all about Eishas um, Kohen and have in mind all the other troubling issues that will come up in the course of this tshuva and this podcast. So, give all. Okay. Um, Okay, so the Mekantra has apparently uh, said the following. There's a, the last Mishnah in the Dharam says that if a woman whom the Gemara and right, all the Rishonim explain, a woman who's married to a Kohen, comes and says, anilach, uh, meaning that she says that she has been raped in such a way that make her usher to her husband. So initially, uh, they, believed, they believed her and they required the divorce. Uh, with and then and then she was blameless, um, but then they became suspicious that this would be this was sometimes used as a subterfuge to uh, compel a divorce uh, when actually uh, the woman just wanted to be free to marry somebody else, bracketing all the challenges about that. Um, and so they decided that the husband should not believe her. Um, and then eventually, when a chayyim Gershon comes in, we're going to say that we. But th- that we strongly discourage the husband from um, believing her, even if he wants to, and so they're allowed to go on um, being married. So the question that uh, comes up um, really immediately, um, and you see it in Tosfut, is if the husband doesn't believe her, that explains why um, why the husband is permitted to sleep with her, but she knows that she's telling the truth. So why is she permitted to sleep with him? So Rabbi Kantrovitz, um, uh said the following. There is a Gemara in um, Yavamos Daf Pei Dalid, uh, where a statement of Rava, uh, which is a Brisa, right, that the Gemara, that the Gemara says that uh, on the, with regard to the prohibitions of Kohanim, so the women are prohibited wherever the men are prohibited. Now that can mean uh, a couple of things. Right, Contravis wants to suggest that what it means is that any time a specific act of, all right, of, of bia, of a sexual relationship, would not be forbidden to the Kohen, it also is not forbidden for the woman whom he would be sleeping with. And therefore, he says, since the, the husband does not believe her and is entitled, encouraged, required not to believe her, therefore, if he were to ask the Shailah, we would tell him this is perfectly this is perfectly okay, and therefore, even though she knows that the facts are otherwise, there can't be any prohibition on her, because she's only prohibited when he is prohibited. The language of the Gemara is, is because the halacha is written in the masculine, so um, her prohibition only applies in the context of in the context of his prohibition. That's Rabbi Kantrovitz's claim, and Ramosha says the following about this: Tamani. Uh, right, I'm astounded at my uncle. Did you hear in the Talmud? Right, because my uncle, who is for whom the paths of the Talmud are uh, very bri- brightly lit, right? Uh, here in the Shvi'at Talmud Tuva, 
Now, the Akantravitz apparently forgot that this issue is a machlokas rishonim in the end of the Dharim, and most of them disagree with him. The Ramosha sets this up as follows. Tosfos there asks, uh, how can we say that the couple can remain married? We have a principle, Shavya Nafsha Chaticha de Isura. Hasn't the woman made herself uh, prohibited, and the mechanics of that is not our issue right now. And Tosfos and the Rashba each quote an answer from Rabbi Lazar Mimetz, the Yireim, and they quote him slightly differently, says Rav Moshe. The Yireim responds the way that Rabbi Kantrovitz said, said that since in this case the husband doesn't believe her, therefore there's no prohibition on the act for the husband, and therefore there's no prohibition on the act for the wife either, and they can go on as before. But, Rav Moshe says, Tosos rejects this, um, doesn't understand the Yireim that way, and rejects this, to the point that Tosos would rather try to say that, in fact, there is no prohibition on the woman generally at all. It's always just a prohibition on the man, and the woman's issue is only uh, right, of being a cause of, uh, of his sin, despite the Gemara, which, uh, the Gemara, uh, which says, this halacha is... The halacha is an exception in accordance with the Havamina of the Gemara there, that that would only apply to a love, um, a love, Shashava uh, Bekol, to a love that applies to everybody. It doesn't apply to loves that apply only to, um, complicated understanding of Havamina, but it would, that it will, perhaps that would, that principle would not apply, um, any Surah, any Surah Kuhuna, um, or at least a Surah Zona Kuhuna. So, um, right, Tosus tries to claim that, right, as opposed to saying, that it's on the act, Tosas tries to claim that there is no prohibition for the woman at all in principle, right? There's no prohibition for a woman as a surah to a coin to sleep with a coin. Uh, Ramosha seems to be assuming that that is rejected out of hand as well. He doesn't even bother to disprove it. He points out that Tosas um, attacks it, although perhaps it'll be resurrected by, uh, or has appeared uh, later as well. well. We'll look at that. But Ramosha says, your, your position on the is like only the Rashba's report of Rebbe Lezer Mimitz, Tosfus report Rebbe Lezer Mimitz saying that it's a question of whether, but wherever this halacha in principle, this isser applies in principle to the man, it applies in principle to the woman, we don't look at, at it on a case level. Um, and Rebbe Moshe, right, right, so you're holding like um, like the, the Rashba's version of the Urayim um, against Tosfus's version of the Urayim, even, even though Tosfus ends up rejecting his own version of the Urayim. And he says, what do you, what do you mean? He says, right, Do you really mean to say that we claim that even though she now has a prohibition um, uh, of, right, a technical prohibition of um, of a zona lacuna, what it really just means is that, she, that it's a like lacuna It's only prohibited as long as it would cause him to sin. It's not intrinsically prohibited. That doesn't make any sense to him at all, right? It comes from a different pasuk. It comes from loikhu. It doesn't come from a lifnevir. So he thinks it's implausible to understand the isra that way. And then he says, even if you think it is like lifnevir, but lifnevir works even if the other party is shogeg is shogegur anus, um, because it's still a masa isra. He says, even right, the fact the the lack of kavana doesn't change the fact of the masa, and therefore she's cause she's causing him. To do this action, so even if you said it's like Lifnevir, he said Lifnevir is not excused by the um, by the fact that he would be acting um, permissibly um, in, right, to his knowledge, as long as objectively he's doing something wrong. And then, right, Sarvasha so rejects that of hand also. Um, 
And he says, if you were to, uh, if you were to accept your position, uh, which is again the position of the Arayim according to the to the Rashba, which says that any time the husband is acting permissibly, even though klape shmaya, and according with the facts as they you know, as are known in heaven, is prohibited, uh, the woman is not the woman the woman is permitted as well. So he comes up with a test case that we'd have to you know, shrug about. Uh, what happens if there's a um, what happens if there's a, a halala who's a surah who's a surah coin, and you have um, right you have a coin um, who has permissibly uh, become uh, sexually aroused to his wife, and so now right so in a situation where the man is already aroused, um, so then we can treat his eventual sexual interaction as anus if somebody forces him to engage in it. The principle. That men can't halachically be raped only applies if uh, they are not right. Men can't be aroused against their will, the Gemara says. But once they're aroused, then they can be raped. So, if a woman were to rape a coin who had been aroused permissibly uh, for his wife, according to the uh, according to Rabbi Kantrovitz's it sounds like that would be perfectly permitted on the grounds of the Israel Zona. Right? We're leaving out the the the, the question of the of the rape per se, gewalt. Um, because after all, now he's on us, so he's not doing a uh, he's not doing a forbidden action uh, at all. Um, so Ravosha says, right? That that Ravosha says that can't that can't be at all. Um, and he says, "Vadai shadavar kazer lonitan Certainly, something like this could never be said at all. It makes no difference whether the coin is over. Amazed um, ob onus, rather the essential iser. Um, all that matters is whether the essential iser exists. And Tosfos think this is so obvious that they you know, that right that they explain Rabbi Lezer in this Rabbi Lezer Mets, in this wild way as opposed to the Rashba's way, um, because otherwise they think that he's going against the maskana of the Gemara Nivamos. Um, he says to me, "Hani echechlit kisvarazu hifuch divrei Tosfos virovim aforshin." I'm astonished at how my uncle could have reached this conclusion, since it is uh, against Tosus um, and most Rishonim, although it is like the Rashba. So uh, the question that we have to ask here is, what, what, why does Rishonim say, Davar Shalini Tanle Amir Klal? It can't be that it's logically impossible, because after all, he admits that the, um, the Rashba said the Uraim said it. So we could say that what makes it impossible is that um, it's against Rov Rishonim, and you can't paskin like Rov Rishonim. That's a very odd um, claim, because uh, sometimes we do, uh, if we're really convinced that it's true. So it could be the combination of it being against Rov Rishonim and it seeming to him to be a highly implausible uh, position. That's what makes it diversely Tanle Amir Klal? Could be. Uh, or we could be that he thinks he's thought of this wild nafkamina, and that wild nafkamina is utterly impossible, and because he thinks that the wild nafkamina flows inevitably from the svara, so therefore he thinks he can now say he can now, he can now say that he has a reductio ad absurdum, uh, right? This is a chance to introduce a phrase that we we'll probably will use almost every podcast, right? One person's uh, reductio ad absurdum is another person's inachinami, uh, right? That Ravosha thinks that no one could that that's impossible to say doesn't mean that somebody else didn't think it was perfectly reasonable. Um, so we really have, we have at least three factors which drive Rav Moshe. One is which could be driving Rav Moshe. One is 
it's uh, against Rov Rishonim. Two is it's inherently implausible. And three is that it is uh, that there's a specific test case that he thinks um, would come out the wrong way if you accepted the Surah. What should we think of Rav Moshe's claim that this is out of bounds? So let's just start Misvara. Um, I don't think the analogy to uh, his, his hypothetical uh, works at all, because in the case of the Kohen, uh, the Kohen who was raped by the woman who, uh, who, who should be a surah to him, he couldn't ask the question and say, am I allowed to engage in this act? He would say, no, you're not allowed to engage in this act, but maybe you can't prevent yourself. But in the case of the Gemara of Tmei if the husband asks, All right, am I allowed to engage in this? We would say, not only are you allowed to engage in this, but you still have a chi of ona, you're married to her, and you have a chi of to provide, uh, to provide uh, sexual satisfaction, so you're obligated to do it. So, that's, right? so it's not really a question of whether of him doing an action, but onus, he's doing an action which is inherently permitted, so long as he doesn't believe her. So I don't think that that analogy um, works at all. Uh, what about the claim that this is ruling like a, um, a shitas yachid, as opposed to Rov Rishonim. Uh, so we just put on the on the record that the um, the Meiri uh, certainly goes right understands Rebbe um, the way that the Rashba does, but interestingly attributes it to Tosfos. Um, right, so it's not just the it's not just the Rashba; it's, it's the Yerim according to the Rashba and the Meiri. Uh, but we can also put like that this whole question of how it Rebbe Kantrovitz's um, position is also not unprecedented. Um, there's a whole line of Avachronim preceding Rav Moshe, uh, who, hold one, who hold one way or the other. Uh, Rav Yonason Eibeshitz, in his work B'nai Ahub on the Rambam, uh, in fact argues that Tosos understands, Tosos understands the Reim the same way that the Rashba did, which we could then argue, assuming the Miri's Tosos is the same as ours, that Rav Eibeshitz is just, uh, that, that Rav Eibeshitz is confirmed um, by the Miri understanding them the same way. The Chacham Tzvi addresses, uh, basically has the same dialogue that Rav Moshe has with Rav Kantrovitz, and he comes out on Rav Moshe's side. Uh, the Levush Mordechai, who's uh, Rav Moshe Mordechai Epstein, who's a, um, I guess, you know, a much older contemporary of Moshe, the Rosh Hashiva of Slobodka, um, takes the same position as Rav Yonis and Ibishitz. Um On the other hand, right, Rosh Sternbach seems uh, to suggest it. So the story that Rav Moshe is ruling out of bounds here is um, certainly not out of bounds in the tradition. We can list uh, right, he admits there's one Rishon who agrees with it. There's, uh, I'm adding the Meiri, and then there are Achronim who hold that all the, right that his basic claim that Tosus is against it is wrong, although there are others uh, there are others who agree with him. Um, at that also the Rav Moshe himself, in Eben Ezer Chelak Hay Simin Chaf Aleph. This is a triva uh, from 33 years later uh, in 57:16. That's written to his uh, different relative, right to his son um, Rav Ruvain, also an academic triva, not an actual triva. And in that shiver of Moshe says, you know what? Rashi agrees with uh, Rashi agrees with Tosfos. Um, the question of whether uh, right on the side issue whether Lifna Iver applies Baonis, which of Moshe assumes obviously it does, uh, is itself a machlokas. The Chelkas Yoav um, seems to uh, say pretty clearly that it doesn't apply Baonis. I think you can look up um, lots of Makarot, if I recall correctly, both ways on that as well. Uh, so it's really very odd. To to um, to think right to try and understand why Rav Moshe is so insistent here um, on saying that this is the Varshlomi Tanlehamir Klal, he admits it was said by one Rishon. Thirty-three years later, he admits it was said by a second Rishon. I found a third Rishon. 
Um, he doesn't seem to be aware of all the right. He's aware of, of a conversation in the Nodi Behuda about this, um, but he's not does not seem to be aware of the Beneahuva, which is right. I don't know when Rabbi Yonasevich's Sefer was republished, but uh, Sefer was republished. Um, he doesn't know about Rabbi Epstein. Okay, right, you know, a recent contemporary. But what we can say is Rabbi Moshe says this about something. And if he's trying to make an objective statement about the role of this position in the tradition, we would have to say it's wrong. Um, it's hard to believe that he is driven because he doesn't want the halacha to come out this way. A, it's an academic tshuva, and B, I assume that presented by cases like this in real life, uh, Rav Moshe would also pass in the kula. And in fact, everybody has to deal with the Mishnah, which says that we tell the husband not to believe her. The only question is, why that allows him to remain married when she knows the truth. But everyone, everyone, all the Rishonim, all the Akronim have to come up with some way that Halach of the Mishnah is still the case. So it's unlikely there's any kind of uh, moral objection to what's going on. Um, so I'll leave it with that. Um, right, what, right, what, I really don't understand what drives Rav Moshe here. Uh, we learned some interesting things about the way he thinks. We learned about you know, what's firm he has, what's firm he doesn't have. Uh, that he's willing to say it even though the, uh, he admits that the Rashba quote, quotes the Uraim as saying it, is really quite an astounding, um, right, a quite an astounding claim. That's something said by Rishon Islani Tanhai Amir Klal. Um, and one of the things we're going to ask is, would Rav Moshe have said this? Uh, right, this is Rav Moshe 27. Rav Moshe at 60 is the one who says that Rashi, uh, agree, that, um, that Rashi agrees. Maybe at 60 Rav Moshe would no longer have said this. He doesn't mention anything about Lani Tanhai Amir Klal and that uh, in that um, in that shuva, um, maybe he stopped saying this kind of thing at all because maybe people you know maybe we we won't find shuvas much later saying it because if you said loni tanlehemirklal when you were a young man, and people keep bringing you you know Akronim acknowledge is great uh, who aren't related to you, uh, who said it then perhaps that uh, makes you wonder whether um, inconceivable uh, really means uh, what you think it means. Uh, or maybe we're misunderstanding his use of the phrase. All right, that will stop uh, this, and we'll come back and... Uh... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.